0: Well, this has been a good week. I uh, hope everybody had a nice Thanksgiving. Um, you survived Black Friday. Way to go, right? Sadly, not everyone did. It's a, that's, it's a crazy, crazy time uh, of year, uh, Black Friday. I mean, but hopefully you got all your shopping in. You, you've been looking for that perfect gift. Um, I was sitting there thinking about Years ago, when uh, our kids were, were smaller, there was this this uh, gift they had to have. I think it was like a Game Boy. Um, and, and they just had to have it. It was like the thing everybody had to have at the time. And and our boys, like, really wanted it. And, um, and, you know, we were looking everywhere for it. It was kind of one of those things that it was kind of a rush on. So there was a whole, you know, the shelves were, were bare. And you go online, and it was like this long waiting period. I think I ended up getting it on eBay for some kind of 30% markup, you know, from from somebody who was selling them uh, hot. I don't know if it was a stolen or what, but, you know, we got one. Finally, we got that, you know, that perfect gift, and and I think within six months, it was on the shelf collecting dust, you know, like most of those kind of things, right? Uh, any of you guys ever experience that? That um, And let's, ex- let's admit it, there's a lot of pressure on uh, all of us when it comes time this time of year. Uh, to to give the right gift gift giving can be stressful right it it shouldn't be but it it can be Um, if you're a parent you know you're always thinking about am i giving the right gift what am i communicating to my child when i give them this gift what are other parents going to think about me you know by giving this gift are they going to think i'm spoiling my kid or is it too little like i'm neglecting them what am i doing if you've got friends you know you don't want to over give because that can get awkward you don't want to under give That can be really awkward, you know, when you have friends. You're not really sure where we're at. Uh, Dating. Anybody remember dating? And then you get to Christmas time. That is a minefield, right? Dating, and then it comes Christmas. And you've got to be like, you want to be the hero, but you don't want to overgive there, right? And you don't want to be like, I got you a car. And they're like, we just... Meant, you know, met last Thursday. You're kind of stalkerish, uh, you know. And then you don't want to undergive, you know. And they give you that really thoughtful, per- you know, beautiful thing that's engraved and everything. And you're like, "Here's a fiver," you know. <laughs> don't spend it all in one place. <clears throat> you don't want. To, you don't want to look super awkward. Um, it's a it was a pivotal pivotal point in the relationship. Um, it, it can be stressful. Uh there there's a show uh that's a very popular uh show with people and uh, there's a little clip that kind of uh sums it up what the stress that it can involve so here watch this for a second. Thank
1: you for that but I got you and Leonard a few silly neighbor gifts so I'll just put them under my tree. The wait. You bought me a present? Uh-huh. Well, why would you do such a thing? <laughs> I don't know, because it's Christmas? Oh, Penny, I know you think you're being generous, but the foundation of gift-giving is reciprocity. You haven't given me a gift. You've given me an obligation. (laughs) Don't feel bad, Penny. It's a classic rookie mistake. My first Hanukkah with Sheldon, he yelled at me for eight nights. (laughs) give me anything in return? Of course I do. The essence of the custom is that I now have to go out and purchase for you a gift of commensurate value and representing the same perceived level of friendship as that represented by the gift you've given me. (laughs) It's no wonder suicide rates skyrocket this time of year. Okay, you know what? Forget it. I'm not giving you a present. No, he's too late. I see it. That elf sticker says To Sheldon. (laughs) The the die has been cast. The moving finger has writ. Hannibal has crossed the Alps. (laughs) I know it's funny when it's not happening to us. Sheldon, I am very, very sorry. You no, know, no, I brought this on myself by being such an endearing and important part of your life. <laughs> I'm going to need a ride to the mall. It's happening to us.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay, quick, quick show of hands. Who's ever experienced that feeling before? You're like oh, not, okay, hold on, stop the present, i got to go get something now, right? Um, or what did we get last year? You know, oh, we, gotta, we have to do better than that. You know, it's the stress that comes with gift giving. My guess is we've all been there before in our attempts to buy just the right present. You know, because you're, you're a decent person, you want to buy the right thing. Have you ever stopped, though, and asked yourself, why do we put ourselves through this? Why do we do this to ourselves year after year? We're celebrating the coming of the Savior. He has come. He has rescued us. And we put ourselves under this stress of gift giving. If we step back for a minute, isn't it a little crazy that every year most of us make the same decision to spend a ridiculous amount of money on Christmas presents? It's kind of what Americans do. It's just what we do, right? Um, what we do is, what do we do? We spend money that we don't have. We accrue credit card debt that we're going to struggle to pray, to, to pay off. <laughs> we pray over, right? <laughs> and and we, we attempt to prove our love with an expensive enough to purchase. And in the end, what are we left with? We're usually left holding that sweater from Aunt Susie that we don't want to wear. Uh, we're never going to wear it. I, okay, I have to be careful about this story because this was a true story, and you never know who's going to listen to a podcast. But someone who had not been close in my life for a long time, but who lived far away one time, is that vague enough, uh, sent, sent a Christmas present one time. And it was the most awesomely awkward Christmas present I've ever gotten, opened it up, oh, it's from, and what is it? It was a little photo album of their vacation that them and their family went on, that was a present. now, I could get it if it was like they went to like, you know, a cool, like, It was architecture from Italy, you know, and they took some wonderful pictures, things like that. No, 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 but it wasn't that. It was like Dolly World or something like, it was like (laughs) Elvis's tomb, you know, them standing there. It's just, and it was just like, this is awesome in how weird this is. You know, it's just one of those, one of those uh, presents you just don't know what to do with. Kind of screams, I don't know you that well, so I'm just going to give you something that's about me. Uh, well, we're in our second week of, of our Advent Conspiracy Series. Today is the first official Sunday of Advent. Um, and if you don't know, if you weren't here last week, Advent marks the four weeks leading up to Christmas. It's the, the time of year we anticipate the Savior who's coming to rescue us. It's, it's that season of anticipation, of longing. and And this year, we're conspiring together uh, to to approach Christmas in a different way. Um, And for us, Advent is always an extra special thing because it's kind of like we got one foot in the past and one in the future, right? Because in the one sense that we're we're joining with our brothers and sisters 2,000 years ago when they were awaiting, the world held its breath, you know, waiting the coming Savior. And on the other sense, we today are waiting the second coming of that Savior, that same Savior. He is coming again. Hallelujah. And so, and so it's kind of this serves as dual purpose for us. Um, but it is Advent Sunday, uh, first Sunday of Advent. So because of that, we want to do something really special today. We're going to turn on our trees. We've all these beautiful trees. You didn't know this, but they're lit, right? And, and so here it's going to be super impressive. Now, a lot of people are gone today. So really build it up and tell them what they missed. You ready? <laughs> Here we go. We're going to count down from three. You ready? Three, two, one. Oh, my goodness. That's, that is beautiful. All right. That's beautiful. All right. The official tree landing has happened. It's real now. Now it's real. Now it's real. Um, if you've ever found yourself sitting there in the month of January looking at that credit card bill, You're looking at it, and you probably felt that dissatisfaction with it all. Often in that moment is when we think to ourselves, is this really what Christmas was all about? Is this what I got for Christmas, this bill? Now, before I go any further today... Let me assure you of this. My intention today is is not to be the Grinch of Christmas. I'm not here to make anybody feel guilty. Uh, I realize Black Friday has come and gone. And so many of us have already done a lot of shopping. But let's face it, most of the shopping we do on Black Friday is for ourselves, right? Uh, (laughs) Because, you know, it's that, you know, electronic toilet seat cover is on sale. How can I not buy that for me? You guys have been waiting for it all year long. Um, So, but Black Friday's come and gone. But this Advent Conspiracy is not about eliminating giving gifts. It's not even about eliminating spending money on gifts. And and so my intention today is not to make us feel bad. My intention is to make us feel free. I want to make us free, help make us feel free. Because when we refuse, get this, when we refuse to equate money with love, we become free. When we refuse to equate money with love, we become free, free to truly love. So today, I want to give each and every one of us permission, permission to celebrate with less stress, celebrate with more joy. I want to give us permission to spend less, okay? So we're going to talk about this today. Maybe some of this will make more sense if we talk for a minute about why do we find ourselves in this predicament? in this day and age? Why are we in this tough spot? Let me read you a quote from the book, The Advent Conspiracy, from which we get this idea. There's just thousands of churches right now who are joining us in in conspiring to, to undergo a Christmas revolution, to take back Christmas for what it was all about and not succumb to the stress. This is a quote from the book. It says, The fastest growing religion in the world is not Islam or Christianity. The symbol of this rising faith is not the star and crescent or the cross but a dollar sign. This expanding belief system is radical consumerism. Radical consumerism. It promises transcendence, power, pleasure, and fulfillment, even as it demands complete devotion. The religion of radical consumerism. Consumerism promises transcendence. And, and our consumer culture that we live in claims that the material thing that we want most, that thing will elevate us above our current circumstances. That's all we need is that thing, right? Now, sometimes because we're in the middle of it, we are stuck in the middle of it, right? When you're in the forest, sometimes you don't know you're in a forest. And we are in the middle of this thing. This is our culture. So it's hard for us to see that this is kind of the, the new religion, Every day, advertisers beg us to get more from life. Get more from life. Fulfillment is within our grasp, and and we deserve it. And why wait for anything when you can have it now, right? Even next day is no longer good. We want a drone to fly it to our porch this afternoon, right? Feed it to me. That's what we want. But, But the truth is this, that in the religion of consumerism, your dissatisfaction is guaranteed in the religion of consumerism. your dissatisfaction is guaranteed. you notice apple i 'm bring my phone up here Apple has never made a product they 've never made an iPhone and, and said this the new iPhone eleven l whatever this is the last iPhone you 're ever going to have to buy. You notice they 've never said that They never say this is it. this is the ultimate you 'll never ever have to buy another one. Why? Because they don't really want you to be satisfied with any product. What they want is to make us want more, right? They want to make us want more. And how this affects us today is because this can even creep into how we give gifts as well. We think, we, we succumb to that thinking that if we buy the more expensive gift, the thing, if we give the more impressive thing, then it'll grant us some intangible benefit that we're missing in the relationship with the other person. If we could buy the right thing, it'll it'll make everything just perfect. Now, what's even worse is when is this consumerism can even creep into our spiritual lives. Here's another quote from the book. Consumerism can also poison our relationship with Christ. And Jesus becomes a commodity that we consume rather than a king who reigns. We tried Jesus. We were satisfied for six months, but then something about it just didn't meet our needs, and now we're ready to trade him in, like a leased car for something better. Because we've been so deeply formed by a culture (coughs) of consumerism, we cannot fathom the lasting value of Jesus. Now, some of you, that seems really far-fetched. But to some of us, that hits a little too close to home. Right? Now, before we get too hard on ourselves today, let's remember that we're not the first generation of human beings to miss Christmas. Last week, we talked about uh, several, we we talked about several folks who didn't miss Christmas, but we, we touched on the fact that almost everybody on that first Christmas night, almost everybody missed it, except for a small handful that were paying attention. Everybody else missed it. They missed Christmas. And so we looked at some people last week whose eyes were opened that very first Christmas. And today I want to point out one more guy who had every reason in the world to miss it, but somehow he didn't. And that was Joseph. Joseph. Joseph, he's probably one of my favorite, just kind of from a, a storyteller's standpoint. He's one of my favorite characters in the story because he's just fascinating. He's just, it, it, he doesn't get, you know, he never gets to have front and center stage, right? But there is so much going on in his life. Uh, Joseph was pledged to be married to a girl named Mary. We all know about Mary. But he was pledged to be married unlike engagements in our day. an engagement was basically uh, a contractual agreement. It could only be undone through death or divorce. I mean, engagement was was for real. Um, To be engaged, it meant to be bound together just as if you were already married so it was it was all the commitment of marriage just you know without the fun bits of marriage <laughs> it was it was a commitment but before any kind of any kind of wedding ceremony any kind of reception any honeymoon got to take place something unexpected happened mary gets pregnant through the holy spirit okay now, it might be easy for us to just kind of blow right past this, but I want, I want us to stop here for a moment. Because, see, this was a major deal-breaker for Joseph. Major deal-breaker. If you put your show, your, yourself in his shoes for just a minute and think about how he would have felt. Your fiancé's pregnant, and you know there's no possible way. This could be your baby, because, you know, you kept everything righteous and classy, I'm sure in that moment, he is feeling emotionally crushed. He's feeling probably embarrassed, confused, angry, all those things anybody would. And any reasonable person in his position would have thought twice about sticking around. Um, Now, we understand that. But here's the thing. There's another factor at work here that, that would have weighed really heavily on him. And that is his culture. There's something that we we don't understand today. And that is, in that culture, what everyone assumed Mary had done was basically an unforgivable sin. Unforgivable. I mean, you could be killed for this. And according to the societal norms of of his day, even if Joseph had wanted to give her another chance, he's a good guy, he loves her, you know, people make mistakes, I'm going to give her another chance. He couldn't. That wasn't even allowed in his day, there were actually laws that demanded a man divorce his wife if she were guilty of adultery. Yeah, he was expected; he was obligated to leave her, or else he would lose his good name. He would lose his standing in the community. And, and it's hard for us to grasp the culture—you know, the first-century Middle East culture. But a man back then—if you could just try to understand—of a man back then who refused to divorce an unfaithful woman would be seen as condoning her infidelity. He would be seen as adding to the cancer of sin in the land by, by condoning it. And so he would be despised for letting his love for Mary outweigh his duty. And so sure enough, Joseph is a, he's a, you know, he's a good God-fearing Jewish man. And in verse 19 in Matthew 1, he's, it says, Because Joseph, her f- husband, was faithful to the law... So he's faithful to the law and yet didn't want to expose her to public disgrace he's a good guy right he had in mind to divorce her quietly so joseph is ready to do, he's ready to do the accepted thing what culture expects of him but then something happens here in verse 20 it says but after he had considered this an angel of the lord appeared to him in a dream and said joseph son of david do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Don't be afraid. That's an interesting choice of words, isn't it? Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. So all the all the things that everybody's going to talk about, you, you guys, your son is going to save them from their sins. So of course, after this encounter with the angel, Joseph, he begins to see everything differently, and he takes Mary home to be his wife. And it doesn't tell the exact um, encounter, but, but we, we know from the culture of the day. So by the time they get, we get to Christmas night and Jesus is born, they would be husband and wife. They would have been married at that point. Now, when I read this, Joseph's decision is insanely countercultural. This is really countercultural stuff. Okay? And not just like cool counterculture, like he's listening to indie music. He's doing stuff that could get him ostracized, thrown out of the the village, right? He risks being shamed and condemned by friends and family here. But because he's willing to live counterculturally, he didn't miss that first Christmas. Right? He's one of the figurines in your living room on at the manger scene. He's there. He got to do that. And, and not only that, he made, this, he made this very intentional, difficult choice, and as a result, he got to be there on that first Christmas night, and he also got to help raise the Son of God. What an honor. He didn't miss the wonder of God with us, God beside us, God becoming one of us. He didn't miss out because he was willing to be countercultural. His story challenges me to make sure that I don't miss Christmas either. And, and if you and I don't want to miss it, what Christmas is really happening, what's really going on, I wonder if it might require us making a countercultural decision as well. So, we want to live counterculturally. Well, let's talk about this culture. What are, what are we talking about counterculture? We live in a culture of excessive consumerism. I mean, that that's pretty much a given. That's That's not... A you know a genius thing to say or that's not why you stood and got tickets this morning for me to say that we live in a a culture of excessive consumerism consumption it's just it's kind of our culture and the Christmas season often reveals that in a in a shocking way it kind of like takes all the the niceties off of it and just loosens it, it lets lets the the dogs out um, I mean let let's think about I'm just thinking over the past 30 years, who can forget the great cabbage patch kid riots of the 1980s? 1980s. Anybody alive? Anybody remember? Anybody have? You you had cabbage patch kids? Yes, right? And you screamed at your parents, I have to have this one and this one and this one, the whole collection, right? And uh, that was the 1980s. What about the Tickle Me Elmo craze of the 1990s, right? I oh, don't know. I mean, that was nuts. I can remember that. I was already in my 20s, but I still, you know, you had to have one. Um, <laughs> and then you get to the 2000s. What about the pain hunt for the original Nintendo Wii, right? Is anybody still playing their original Nintendo Wii? right? We, we still have ours. I, I'm not kidding. I kid you not. It, it's what we make our kids play now when they're being punished, right? Don't mouth off at me. You get up there, you play that Wii. We'll see how much you like that, right? Right? Am I right? Yeah. They draw straws to see who has to play the Wii. Um it 's so easy for us to get sucked into the marketing of everything right the marketing and the shopping fervor. but this was what we had to have you had to have this is going to change the world, change your whole life, make everything better, right make you happy forever last gadget you 'll ever have to buy right there the we um, and before know it we 've you know we 've blown our budget we 've we 've all the newest got to have it gadgets and too many hot deals leading up to Christmas Day. But what if it, what if it didn't have to be this way? What, what if we said no to excess this Christmas season? What if we made a commitment to spend less this Christmas season? What if we made an intentional decision? It has to be a decision. It won't well, just happen naturally. You made a decision to resist the pull of excessive consumerism, this cultural consumerism, that religion of cultural consumerism. That wouldn't be incredibly countercultural, would it not? That would be countercultural, right? And, and yeah, maybe a few of your, your family or your friends, you know, won't understand. Maybe they'll even criticize you for it, think you're crazy, you're being unpatriotic, you're hurting the economy, you know, or something like that. Um, that's not what our country's built on, you know. By God, get out there and get into debt. Um, but see, in your heart, don't... I can't be the only one. Don't you know in your heart that consumerism is not the best Christ-following way to celebrate the birth of Jesus, right? There's just something in our hearts that knows that. We know that. It's not the best way to celebrate the birth of Jesus. What if opting out of the excesses of cultural Christmas gave us a chance to truly experience Christmas, opting out of the excesses of cultural Christmas. What if we got to truly experience Christmas? Now, like I said, I'm not saying don't buy Christmas presents for the important people in your life, all right? Teenagers in here just like breathe a sigh of relief, right? (laughs) I'm not saying that. In fact, we're going to talk about how how gift giving can actually be a great way to celebrate the season, and how you can actually show your love to the ones that you love. But first, we want to take let's take an honest look at how we spend and and why we spend. in In 2015, last year, the average family spent 882 dollars on Christmas. That's the average. So, so uh, you know, if you Less, some more. Chances are this week they said, or this year it's going to push way above the $900 mark. Number one, because the economy, they say, is slightly better than it was last year. And, and number two, it, we live in a consumerist culture where we're always trying to figure out how to do more, how to buy more, how to get more, right? How to top where, where we were. Um, now, let me ask you this how many of you, <coughs> excuse me, how many of you remember? all of the gifts that you got last year for Christmas? Man, okay, no no hands. You don't remember all the gifts. Nobody remembers all the gifts, right? You remember a few of them, I'm sure, right? How many of you remember a few? Yeah, yeah, we remember a few. But I guarantee nobody remembers all of the gifts, not around here. Now, let me try to paint a picture for you here because I want to make this as practical as I can. What what if a close friend gave you a coffee mug? Let's say a close friend gave you a coffee mug. Would you remember that gift? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Depends on how many coffee mugs you got, right? Um, but what if, what if that coffee mug came with a little note, and on that note was a stipulation that it was only to be used on the first Saturday of the month when you and your friend got together to have coffee? And that's the only time you could use. Would you, would you better remember that gift of their presence by, by making and setting aside that time for you to just be together, the two of you? I bet you would. I bet you would. Um, and I bet it would be one of the most memorable gifts you got. I'm just guessing. Now, I heard about a guy who did just this. I was just reading about this. This guy, he was, he was 20-something years old. And he... He gives to his father uh, a bag of gourmet coffee beans, okay? That's great. Dad loves coffee, so he gives this gift. It's a nice gift. But on the bag is a note that's attached, and it says this, Dad, you can only drink this coffee with me. Anytime you grind these beans and drink this coffee in the coming weeks, however long it takes to get through this bag, it's just the two of us. What's he saying? saying, He's saying, I, I'm giving you this gift, Dad, because you are a gift to me, and I want to be with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to hear your voice. I want to hear your stories. I want, I want to be reminded of how you became the man that you are. Now, let me ask you this. What means more to Dad that year, the new flat screen or that bag of coffee? Oh, man, there's no comparison, right? Right? See that's a relational gift. It's a relational gift. Here's what's even more genius about that gift. Every time dad grinds beans for coffee or walks into a Starbucks, you know what he's reminded of? My boy loves me. My boy loves my boy wants to spend time with me. Right? If it were possible, the smell of coffee just got better. Right? See, when you give gifts like that, gifts that are personal, that celebrate the presence of someone, now you're, you're in a whole new ballgame of gift giving. Now contrast that with, with some of the other gifts you've been given, right? Have you ever unwrapped the photo album to <laughs> Graceland? <laughs> Have you ever unwrapped a gift and thought, wow, this person was not thinking about me at all. There's something, there was something on sale they grabbed it at the last minute, stuck my name on the box, right? Very weird moment, practically screams, hey, uh, you, you, I don't really, you didn't get a chance to get to know you this year, so I grabbed the first thing I could think of for you. It's a weird moment, right? Wow, you signed me up for the nut of the month club, <laughs> and I'm so allergic. That's awesome, right? I am, by the way, don't sign me up for the nut we we all ha- have been given these awkward presents. Let's let's look at the, here's another clip from one of America's favorite TV shows. These are for you.
1: <coughs> Wiper blades. <laughs> I don't even have a car.
0: <laughs> no, but with this new
1: car smell, you think you do.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, Pheebs, your turn. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You guys,
0: hey, and for Ross, Mr. Sweet Tooth, you got me a cola drink
1: and a lemon lime. Well, this this is too much. I feel like I should get you another sweater.
0: All right, few under twenty. That was the show Friends. Um. All right, but, okay, so we've all had that, that moment, I'm sure. Uh, let, let's, let's flip it around, though. Uh, let's get uncomfortably honest for just a second. When's the last time you did this for somebody? When's the last time you did this to somebody? You basically bought that present for male aged 15 to 75, right, because it was on your list, and, and, you, and you got that present, and it screams, I haven't gotten to know you this year at all. So I bought you this because I felt obligated to. Merry Christmas, right? <laughs> Giving relationally is, is so much more satisfying than, than that. So maybe for, for some of us, like bringing it really practical here, maybe for some of you parents out there, maybe it, what if you got your, your son like a baseball mitt and with it came like 12 coupons to be redeemed anytime you were at home to play baseball with you? Or you get your little girl an easy-bake oven, and it's got these little certificates to turn in to you, will, you, you, will, you guys can bake something together. That's, see, that's actually giving like Jesus gave, which is, which is relationally. It's not about the present. It's about your presence. It's about your presence. It's about spending more in time with people than in money. Now, to do that, let's be honest, to spend more time, to spend more time, less money, you might have to say no to some things in life that waste your time, right? Because I know some of you are thinking right now, oh, I'm way too busy in Christmas. This is way too, (laughs) this relational giving is going to take up too much of my time, Right, So you might have to say no to things that are not relational, that will want to monopolize your time. There are things throughout the month of December that will want to monopolize your time. It might even mean rethinking the sort of, you know, relational things that you do to make sure you're not letting this virus of consumerism and consumption infect your moments together. Um, Because if you're not careful, it can. That that virus can turn what even ought to be this beautiful, life-giving, enjoyable time, fellowshipping with family or friends, it it can turn it into just another stress-filled anxiety fest if we're not careful. So don't be afraid to scale back in those areas that just aren't important, things that take away from you actually enjoying each other's presence. Amen? Amen. Last week, we talked a little bit about the Magi. I wanted to point out one other thing about these guys. First of all, it, let's admit it, these guys actually did give gifts, right? They were, and they were pretty expensive gifts. They were costly gifts of gold, incense, and myrrh. Um, but did you notice they gave these gifts to the Christ child, right? That's often forgotten, they gave these gifts to Jesus. They didn't get there after all those months of traveling and be like, hey, way to go. We made it. Here's a flat screen, right? Oh, well, thank you. And here's an Amex gift card, right? No, they gave these gifts to Jesus, right? Um, but, but, you know, even the gifts that they brought weren't really the big point. They weren't the major point. They could have sent these gifts by messenger, They didn't have to get on their camels and ride for for months all the way through the Arabian desert to make sure Jesus got his three presents. That really wasn't the point. The greatest gift these guys gave was their time. Their presence at the feet of Jesus was what really mattered. That's what mattered. So we're talking about doing Christmas differently. We're talking about thinking more relationally in our gifts right so when you picture that person that you want to give something to what do you think about when you th- when you think of them maybe it's something you can make this year maybe maybe you get together and you you agree to make something or or it's a a dinner you can invite them over to spending time with them you know or maybe it's something you've made it's homemade you made a you know plate of cookies or a jar of salsa or something banana bread or something or maybe hey maybe it's like a you host a sleepover for their kids so mom and dad can have a night out together, right? There's all kinds of ways we can give relationally. We can give relationally. Maybe it's just a handwritten letter telling someone what they mean to you and how thankful you are that they're in your life. Some of the most special gifts that, that I've ever gotten are just those things that make me know that that person was thinking about me, that they appreciate being a friend, and they enjoy their moments with me. Um if if you're seeking fulfillment in consumption and consumerism your dissatisfaction's guaranteed. That's what I know. And that's why I want to give each of us permission today permission to be countercultural. Permission to celebrate with each other the birth of Christ joyously, not stressfully. So, um now, you might be sitting there thinking, okay, this sounds interesting. Maybe that sounds like a good idea, but how do I really put this into practice? I need some steps here. So I'm going to give you four practical steps, all right? We're going to get super practical. Four practical ways you can buck the trends and, and spend less this holiday season. You ready? Here we go. Here's one. Number one, buy at least one less gift this year and use that money to give more. Just determine, I'm going to buy one less gift, right? And maybe, and maybe you build on it from there. Um, In two weeks from now, we're going to continue this series. Pastor Albert's going to be teaching you on part three, which is give more. See, we buy less, we give more. And and we're all going to have an opportunity to celebrate Christmas like those wise men did and give our gift to Jesus for his birthday, right? Because we know what Jesus wants most for his birthday. It's not a flat screen, is it? Right? It's not for me to have a new sweater, that's not what Jesus wants most. What he wants most is for us to bless people around the world, the people that he loves, to build churches for people in villages that have never had a church, to buy presents for orphans who've, who don't have a mom, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked. That's what Jesus wants for his birthday. So buy at least one less gift. Number two, talk to your friends and family. Talk to your family, your close friends, uh, that, and tell them, you don't want a typical Christmas present this year. It's okay to have the conversation. In fact, it's important to have the conversation. Now, this won't work. This doesn't work if they weren't planning on giving you anything in the first place, (laughs) right? Just going up to people randomly and telling look, I really want something different this year. That won't come over, right? But if someone asks you, like, what do you want this year or something like that? Hey, invite them to join you. Invite them to join you in giving a present to Jesus this year, Right? Our, fr- our family's been talking about that very thing. It's a really cool thing. And, and, and hey, what if we got together and we, we bless Jesus and the people that he loves this year? Uh, or maybe you, you and your friend, your friends, and you agree to, to give each other handmade gifts this year. Just something very personal and, and sweet that says, I love you and, man, I value you, right? Maybe it's something you can do for each other. Number three, next step. This is a bad word for a lot of people, but make a budget. Make a Christmas budget. You're not going to eliminate buying presents altogether. We're not saying don't go buy any presents. But the truth is most of us spend way beyond our means, right? What can help us avoid this pitfall? It's very simple. See, this isn't, it's not all like super spiritual here. This is like super, super practical. Set a budget. Believe me, it's not a bad word. And it doesn't take away from the fun. A budget basically helps you be in charge of your decisions Instead of letting the culture of consumerism and consumption make those decisions for you, you get to be in charge. So a budget, it, it, it's about you being in charge of your money, you telling it where to go. Um, this has worked really well. Mel and I have made a Christmas budget for probably the last 10 years is when we like, really decided this, this is what we need to do. And, it, and it's great. It works. It's wonderful. And, and in fact, it forces you to get more creative to more relational in your gift giving right? Because you can't just buy everybody a flat screen, right? Um, the la- and number four <coughs> is what we've been talking about. The last way to spend less is to spend relationally and creatively. Spend relationally and creatively. Sometimes the, the easiest thing, let's face it, the easy thing is just to find the first thing on the rack that's on sale, right? And it sort of fits the criteria for somebody maybe on our list, but to spend less in money, sometimes you have to spend more in thoughtfulness, more in creative energy. And that's an okay. That's okay. It's going to be more rewarding for you as a giver and for them as a receiver. But you know what? When we're spending wisely, when we're doing what we're talking about here, when we're giving more, when we're gifting more relationally, and we're really focusing on blessing Jesus and blessing others. It frees us to gift joyously. It's not stressful anymore. We're able to gift joyously. We're not burdened with the stress of debt. We don't have to feel guilty about the money that we do choose to spend. We don't feel guilty about that, right? We set ourselves free from the pressures of gift giving because it shouldn't be a pressure. It ought to be done out of love, right? God is love. We emulate God. We reflect his goodness and his love. What is it his love does is give, you know, he's never going, God's not going, oh, i got to give again, right? Oh, man, someone else I've got to give to. No, it's extravagant, it's beautiful. He loves to give. We can be that way. We can love to give. Um, and we don't have to compete with the Joneses. We don't have to fall for that trap that, that life consists in the abundance of possessions or that money equals love, because that's a lie, that money equals love, Right? Let me, let me bring this to a close today. I want to read the very next verse in that story where the angel speaks to Joseph, the very next verse in verse 22 of Matthew 1. It says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, that the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. See, that is the way God gives. God with us. He doesn't just throw blessings at us to buy us off. He doesn't just save you and then make you go about your day all alone. He is God with us. God came on that first Christmas to be with us. He gave his presence. He left heaven And came to be with us. And so one way we can honor Christ this Christmas is to give more of ourselves, more of ourselves relationally, more of our presence, more of your presence into people's lives. So spend less. Yes, by all means, let's figure out how to do that, how to spend less and push against the craziness. But what we're really saying here is is spend less money. Spend more relationally. Spend more relationally. Fewer presents, more of your presence with people. And why are we doing all this? Because when we refuse to equate money with love, we become free. That's when we become free. Free to leave that shallow story of cultural Christmas and enter the deep life-giving waters of the incarnation, God with us. We become free to give without comparison, to receive with gratitude and to worship with abandon. Amen? Amen. Will you join me in this conspiracy to do Christmas differently this year? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you so much. God, we celebrate we celebrate together this wonderful time of year. I thank you, God. Forgive us the courage to To dare to say no to this cultural consumerism, this secular religion, and to say yes to what Christmas is all about, Father. Give us the courage to, to dare to dream that there's something better, there's a better way to celebrate together, to celebrate the rescue that you have purchased for us. Help us to be more relational. Show us ways. Give us creative ideas, Father God. Show us ways. That we can we can say no to the the, those stressful demands. Show us ways to spend a little less, give a little more, to honor you, to give you what you want most for Jesus' birthday. Thank you, Lord, for this. We praise you, Lord. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that there are folks here for whom the holidays may have always been a little bit sad. They may have been stressful. It may be a time of depression or bad memories, loneliness. In Jesus' name, we come against that. I thank you, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit is alive and well and flowing in this place and it flows through us and around us as we walk out these doors and that this season never has to be that again. This never has to be a season of depression. In Jesus' name, this is a season of celebration, of anticipation for the Savior who who came and who is coming again. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that a generation's church, no one walks alone. That not a single person here suffers in silence. In Jesus' name, I thank you, Father God. Give us the courage to speak up if we feel that spirit of oppression. To speak up and tell somebody, say, hey, I need somebody to walk with me. And in Jesus' name, we, we bind that spirit. We cast it out. We thank you, Lord, for a spirit of love and peace and generosity and joy this Advent season. We praise you. We praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.